Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. Do you follow the pack or challenge the status quo? Join Ted as he explores how to succeed by going against conventional wisdom. You'll hear leaders in technology and security tell stories about how they achieve their success by doing things differently. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tech Done Different. I'm your host today, Ben Schmerler, and with me today is my wonderful co-host, Mr. Ted Harrington. Say hello, Ted. I like the clarity of that instruction. Ted, you will now say hello. Yes. Hello. We do things a little differently when I host the episodes. (laughs) Also, we have a special guest today. We asked Ryan Barnett from Fort Robotics to come on with us. Ryan is the Senior Engineering Manager of the Security Platform at Fort Robotics. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for joining us for a nice conversation. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're, we're really excited to have you. You know, just to start off, do you want to just give us a brief rundown, maybe like a 30-second, one-minute thing about, what, you know, what's your day-to-day like? What do you do today? Yeah, today I, I'm responsible for the team. I lead the team here at Fort Robotics for security platform. So what does that mean at a, a safety company? Well, that means that I'm responsible for the security features that are developed and, you know, kind of putting in place the, the process and testing for these devices that we're building for our latest generation and helping to define, you know, that intersection of of safety and security from security aspect. That's awesome. I mean, I really wanted to hone in on that. You know, Ted and I obviously have a vested interest in security. It's what we do every day. You have a really interesting perspective on it because for you, I think security means something a little different. I think a lot of times when we're talking to people about you know, a web application or or some other device, they're thinking about it in terms of device failure, you know, maybe someone leaking someone's personal information or something like that, which is obviously very important. But you come from a background, not just at Ford, but in uh, aviation and aerospace, where these things mean are much more dramatic. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, I, I started my career in, in aerospace out, out of college. You know, I came out of college with a computer engineering degree, and I just so happened to, to get involved or opportunities with aerospace and, then, and specifically embedded Linux and bringing that into some of the aerospace products and defense products there at my former company. And, you know, from there, I, I really didn't have a much of a background in security, but, you know, in both defense and in aviation, security is important to, you know, protect the, these critical systems. So, yeah, so started there w- with doing that and then had the opportunity really to to work a lot with defining with security experts there at my previous company to really bring embedded Linux and bring that onto to planes to really enable some of the information to be exposed around the maintenance system to do some uh, predictive maintenance and that sort of thing. So learned a lot around security with that. And then now I'm here at, at Fort Robotics uh, helping to, you know, really um, bring safety and security to, you know, robotics and uh, autonomous machines that Fort has protects, I should say. Yeah, that's pretty cool. One of the things that really stands out about the field that you're in is this intersection between digital and physical, right? And I'm I'm super fascinated by that just from a, if nothing else, as a 
an exercise in being able to communicate what security even is because it's so conceptual in a lot of ways, right? It's like a system gets hacked. What does that mean? Like lines on code are different. Well, what does that mean? But when you're talking about physical devices and you're talking about safety impacts, it becomes very real and material for people. That's an angle that I think is super fascinating. So when you think about that role, right? Because you are talking about lives, lives and limbs, right? Are what you're ultimately protecting more so ultimately it is the bits and the bites, but in, the end result is lives and limbs. So how do you think about that? Like when you guys are sitting around having your strategy sessions, you're deciding where to invest effort, money, person power, whatever, that's part of the conversation. How does that play into your discussions? You know, I, I think it starts, you know, looking, you know, if we kind of take a look at you, you in safety, there's a, a concept cause hazardous analysis. It's kind of very, very similar to threat modeling, right? And so, you know, you take a, a look at your system, right? And, and determine, you know, what are, are the critical components in, in the system that will impact, you know, safety. And, you know, there's different sort of levels of safety impacts. I'm, I'm not an expert in safety. We definitely be, be happy to have some other expertise that I lean on for, for safety, but more or less, uh, you know, they, they kind of come in there and they'll determine what sort of impact that, you know, some failure will happen, you know, if something goes wrong within those components and whatnot. And then from there, you know, that kind of, you know, determines, you know, where were you going to focus your effort on. And so, you know, if we kind of relate that to security and, and, you know, a lot with the threat model, right, is, you know, those critical components and whatnot, you know, putting together that threat model that defines the information flows and then the controls you put in place around those and how you're going to protect from a cyber event, you know, kind of happening to that, your, your system, right, will help drive priority or, or impacts or, to what features you should spend your time on, right? So, you know, then, you know, as also too, you know, there's a little aspect of the vulnerability management and, and that sort of thing, you know, like when something's in, in the field and whatnot and a vulnerability is found, right? The first thing, you know, we need to do is assess what sort of impact that has onto the system. And then, you know, and work with the, the safety, our safety colleagues to determine really, you know, that how critical that, that vulnerability is you know, to how, how quickly we need to fix that. So I'm kind of curious about that process. So like your focus is on your expertise, which you're talked about, you know, development, et cetera, and, and managing security, but you're talking to a whole different group of people who have expertise in, in safety. That's just not your field. You have to create like a handshake there, right? Like there has to be really good communication and management between you and these people so that, you know, we're not having errors based on, coordination issues that you, something you identify as a security issue, the safety people don't understand or vice versa. I mean, is that a challenge? Is that something, or how do you manage that? Yeah, it, it really is. And, and trying to find that, that common language between, you know, both, you know, myself and, and the other. So that like, you know, like, Hey, we have this threat model, right. And here are, you know, the, the vulnerabilities or threats that we've identified, you know, in, in our system. And then, trying to, you know, distill that down into how does that impact this safety system, right? So like, what does that mean to the inputs into the safety system is really what it, you know, kind of comes down to is like, okay, well, that means that this will trigger, you know, in, in our world, 
we, we build e-stops, so, you know, red, little red buttons that's going to stop your machine. So everything revolves around, you know, making sure that, you know, when it's not supposed to be stopped, right, it's, it's operating. So you're allowing the machine to, to operate. So, you know, it'll be trying to take those threats and, and distill them at, at a level and explain them to, you know, more or less in, in layman's terms, like, so they can understand how that impacts uh, their safety system. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Layman terms, right? That's the it's so fascinating to me that in a field as scientific as cybersecurity, we we have to in a lot of ways do the opposite, right? We have to take these really technical and complex topics and simplify them. So are there techniques that you have found that help you be able to simplify that to do exactly what you're just describing, how to communicate to in layman's terms? Yeah, you know, I think they do, you know, within the tech field, you love to get very, very technical and whatnot. So like having, you know, diagrams, I, I think, and, and that information flow and saying like, here's the part that it's going to affect the component and like this input, you know, this, you know, say messaging or, or something like that is going to be corrupt and, and maybe like specific like fields or headers or something like that has been what's been successful with that and not trying to use a lot of security buzzwords for, for, for per se is like trying to remove a lot of that will will help get get that through through their heads. And then two, like, you know, trying to tie that up into the pillars, you know, like say information security, like, you know, confidentiality, integrity and availability, like are all terms that kind of relate to safety too, right? You know, so so like trying to say like, oh, there's a vulnerability in your SSL, like where somebody can get access into your system as root. Well, what does that mean? It means that they have full control over your safety system or whatnot, right? You could inject a false message to keep that system alive and that sort of thing. So that's how, you know, trying to relate those to them. Yeah, or take advantage of the safety system itself for other reasons, you know, make the, make the safety system a vulnerability to exploit something else. I, I want to talk about like the idea of buy-in. One thing that we see sometimes in, in our field is we'll talk to someone and we're trying to convince them that they need to deal with security in a certain way, have a certain attitude about security uh, and get that buy-in. I, I feel like when you're talking about, you know, Ted used the phrase lives and limbs, it's a lot easier to get buy-in for dealing with those kinds of issues and the, and making creating that kind of discipline because the stakes are very, very clear. And I'm kind of curious if when you're, if do you have any tips or ideas or, or, or ways to, if you're trying to get maybe executive level buy-in, the people who maybe you're not the, the most technical people, what are some tips that you could maybe share that'll help, you know, achieve that for people that are in the security field that are struggling to, to maybe get the resources or the testing program or whatever they're trying to, to implement? So, you know, what, what comes to the top of my head is, is kind of risk is, is, a, is, is the term that kind of comes to my mind right there and relating, you know, what is the risk and, you know, assessing the, the you know, say the monetary impact or like, you know, like the impact to the end customer, right? And trying to distill that in, in ways that, that make sense to them. So number one, describing the risk and, you know, in those, those layman terms, as I, I used earlier, and then two, you know, trying to quantify the impact of, of that risk, you know, like, as in like, okay, this can affect productivity downtime to a machine or, you know, some of the, the non, you know, tangible sort of things. Cause 
yes, life in, in limb is a very important, but there's other sort of impacts that, you know, security has in these safety systems and specifically around productivity. So, you know, of course, when a security event relates to that it could affect, you know, life and limb and, and say allowing to be operated on, you know, when it should be stopped, it, you know, that will be, of course, you know, something that's done. But the other one would be, you know, around like, say, availability, if it impacts availability significantly, you know, like, say, uh, some sort of robot can operate in, in a warehouse and, you know, some sort of security controls or features could be rolled out that will definitely help drive and, and get stakeholders to to quickly approve that sort of thing. So when you think about what it requires to be a security professional related to robots, first of all, I think every little boy probably was like, one day I would like to work with robots. So you're speaking to those little boys and little girls too, I'm sure, who are listening to this. So the question is, as you think about what it requires to secure a robot, are there aspects to this? What are, how are the attack surfaces different is, is the question. So, of course, you're going to have some sort of interfaces that might be unique because you're having a physical device. How do you think differently about those than if you only had software? You know, you, you got to consider what, what the actions are in, in the real world. You know, your, your pro, the development of, of your code is going to have a, a physical impact into the real world. So trying to to think about those translations as you're building, you know, secure software is, is important, you know, for, for our, our system specifically focused, you know, more or less is, it can boil down to it's, it's like literally, it's like a discrete, it's either on or it's off. Right. But that simple concept has, you know, all of these requirements and cases around like how you can get to those different states. And so, when you take a look at those sort of what, what those requirements will drive and you relate that to, say, some of the, the security mechanisms that you can put in place around protecting to allow, you know, those things to happen. You know, I, I, my goal is to is security is to try to leverage as much well-established security mechanisms around doing that because, like, you know, these actions don't necessarily require you to go out and, 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 you know, implement that, but rather, you know, follow best practices around how do you secure coding standards? You Have you followed, you know, those sorts of things and, and whatnot? I, I don't know if that got at your question a little bit. You know, I, I think it's really about adopting well-established processes from, you know, the, the software only world, right? And seeing how you can apply those to space where uh, the physical world comes into play. That's great. I mean, I really appreciate that kind of response. I want to talk about something else that you mentioned briefly in our pre-call. You know, you said you wanted to, I and I love the way you phrased this, you wanted to avoid a big bang approach to security. Could you uh, elaborate on that concept? I find that very interesting. Yeah. So I, I think as you probably are well aware is security, you know, is usually an afterthought into, you know, some sort of design, especially, you know, if I'm thinking about some of the industries that we have like manufacturing and, and warehousing, where it's all about efficiencies and whatnot. And, you know, until something goes wrong from a, a cyber, you know, event, you know, then you're going to try to go in and do something after. And, and the same thing can be said for a development of a new product is like, okay, you, you develop a new product and then afterwards it's like, oh no, we have some sort of security thing. So we need to roll out these security features. So trying to 
bring in testing of security-minded testing, you know, such as fuzz testing, penetration. I, I like your guys' calling. I don't really like to call it security pen testing. It's more like white box uh, pen testing where, you know, you have somebody with that security mindset taking a look at, at your system. And, and by doing that, it allows, you know, you to review features in a more manageable thing instead of like, oh, yep, we turned on security and now it broke, you know, safety, right? And now you're going to spend, I don't know, you know, months trying to to debug and, and troubleshoot that at the end. So taking baby steps, you know, well, you know, your goal is to have the ultimate security solution. Is it like, okay, let's start small and, and build on top of that. So, you know, you kind of have a, a good security foundation. And I, you know, I can kind of credit that to one of my security mentors over in the aviation industry that, that kind of illustrated that concept to, to me early. That's really fascinating. And I agree. I mean, obviously you just described our method and I of course agree with that. It'd be funny if I was like, I disagree with our method. Can you tell us about this security mentor and what he taught you and how you learned? That's one of the themes that comes up a lot on this show is about mentorship and how do we, how do we find mentors? How do we be mentors? Stuff like that. And hearing you describe how you learned something from a mentor, implemented it here in future iterations of your career. I'd love to hear about what that experience was for you. Yeah, I, I think it, it came down to, you know, he's one of the, the best persons that can relate security concepts into layman's term, explaining these complex security concepts to you in a way that like, oh yeah, you know, that makes sense. I, I, I understand now what you're saying. And so trying to remove a lot of the scare factor around security, right? You know, like, yeah, it's like, oh, all of these ominous, scary things, he, he did that. And so, you know, just trying to, to explain it in that and, you know, explaining like, okay, we're using a threat model to do this and it inputs it into that was, was very helpful for me to, to learn a lot of these complicated security concepts that I didn't go to school for, you know, per se, so. So you sort of led into the next thing I want to ask, you know, you said also that it's not that hard to me, that's not that hard to keep security in mind. And I found that very refreshing. I think a lot of people are intimidated by security. They look at it as an obstacle. And it seems like you, rather than looking at it as an obstacle, you look at it as kind of an opportunity, something to embrace that, that makes things better. I mean, do you want to talk about that mindset real quick? I think that'll help a lot of people deal with these kinds of problems. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the big thing is, is like, you don't need to go build a perfect security solution. The, the most important thing is to to establish those relationship with with the s stakeholders, right? And you know, explain explain it in layman's term to people, and and try to remove that scare scare factor, I, I should say, from these security concepts. And again, I, I think you guys have been alluding it to is just build a partnership with people that aren't involved day to day in in the security aspects. Yeah, that's partnership idea. Totally agree with that. So it's really fascinating when you think about the concept of partnership and uh, separation of duties in a sense too, right? When you think about almost any company works with like outside legal counsel, they work with outside accountants. But when it comes to security, people sometimes hesitate and they're like, should we build this in-house versus work with an outside party? And one of the things I advocate for is you should actually do both, not just even though it would be totally to my self-serving benefit to be like, you should only hire outside security companies, but actually you, sh you should have both. So can you talk to me about your views on, on partnership and how, like, how does a, what's the advice to someone who's looking to figure out how do they build a partnership, whether it's security or something else from your experience? 
Yeah, I, I think it is important to have that that independent sort of stakeholder that can kind of be the one that's like, no, Ryan, you know, like this is really important and here's why, you know, and, and kind of bring that perspective that you might not get in internally. So like, you know, what I think finding out first what's important to you guys, like what do I want to get out of some sort of security engagement and then trying to find that partner that has that same sort of philosophy you know, are around that so that they can bring that independence and perspective that maybe we, we don't necessarily have because we are only living our little bubble and bringing in that, that concept of like, oh, well, say you use a third party for some of your testing. They thought of like doing something different that you wouldn't have thought internally because they had an experience in some adjacent industry or something like that. I, I think that's very important to bring in, you know, on, on our side is we, we don't, certify our our safety product right we we bring in a third party to sort of audit and and you know make sure we followed the process that we said we're going to follow and then they give us that certification around safety and i think that's a very similar concept that we here at fork want to do as well we're running a little low on time but i have two final questions the first you i i have to say you mentioned something about in these systems big red buttons and how do you keep people like Ted Harrington from pressing the big red button when you just, no, I'm just kidding. That's a fake question or not, or not asking that. It's just the, it's just the fascinating idea. I'd like to know red, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big red button that you could press at any time is, is fascinating to me. But my actual question is, you know, you're filled with knowledge and you're do and what it really, again, what impressed me so much about you, Ryan, is that you really take the right attitude and approach to security. And I really think it should be emulated from a, like, not just, you don't, you have not just a lot of technical knowledge, but the way you're managing this process is really impressive to me. And so I guess what I would leave with is like, what's maybe one thing that people who maybe they're in your position, maybe they're in a similar position where they have, they're responsible for security. What's one thing that people can do that would make their security posture more effective within their organization? I think it's very important to never consider you like I, I never look at myself as a security expert you know I, I'm always trying to learn new things get different perspective on that and, and always be open to change that I, I think uh, that probably is the the one thing that I would say is most contributing to my success so far is is being open-minded that's awesome uh, it is an educational process I mean I, I think for anyone to be effective managing security whether you work for a company like ours or yours or whatever you have to really be open-minded and not accept things for what they are you know accept the idea that change is coming that you have to grow and learn and things like that so that's awesome I really appreciate you we both appreciate you joining us today for this conversation is there anything uh, else you want to share with the group any ways people can reach out to you if they want to talk to you more anything like that yeah, if uh, anybody is, is interested in learning more about the products that, that Fort Robotics builds, I'd encourage you to go see our, our website at fortrobotics.com and, and take a look at, at our offerings and, and get in contact, you know, with, with our, our company that way. Or if they're looking more for a personal, like, one-to-one -one connection, please find me on, on LinkedIn. I believe that will be part of this uh, podcast here, so... I was looking at your YouTube, the YouTube too, for Fort Robotics. There were some cool videos on there, especially if you're into that kind of tech. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you just want to have a little fun for a bit and watch some cool videos. Yeah. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining us. Ted and I are going to have a little chit chat about what we learned. But again, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Thanks for having me. All right. See you later. So Ted, tell me a little bit about what you learned from Ryan. I learned from Ryan that we have a great method. <laughs> 
You, I like you that part. That were awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. I I was like, tell me more about that. <laughs> Actually, Ben, there was something you said. A lot of what Ryan said was amazing, but there was something you said that I was like, I need to write that down. That was really good. I wish I had written it down. I didn't. But you were talking about this idea of we shouldn't just accept things as they are. Like you were kind of summarizing a lot of the insights from Ryan there at the end. And I thought that was such a cool way to describe the sort of hacker mindset, right? Where it's like, just not blindly accept that like, this is the way that we do it. This is the way we've always done it. That was kind of what Ryan was summing things up with when he's talking about being open-minded and being like a lifelong learner. And he talked about mentorship. There's so much he talked about in that episode that had to do with like this relentless thirst for knowledge and growth. And that was one of the big things I took away from it. Even though we talked a lot about practicalities of a security program, it was really all wrapped for me anyway in this this sense of like learning ryan is you know he's very humble but he's brilliant he has this amazing background in engineering has a lot of knowledge in what he does but gets into security through circumstance like a lot of people get into security like i got into security he understands the goals like the outcomes which is really so so important he doesn't let it get you know his ego or something or or, or some comfort level get in the way of of achieving the goal which is in this case, you know, securing these devices, securing, you know, robotics, et cetera, making, helping make things safe, all these important goals that have nothing to do with our ego, how good we think we are at security or how knowledgeable we think we are at something. There's always something more we can do. I mean, we have situations too. I mean, this is part of the reason we recommend people do reassessments. It's because, you know, today, 2023, this time in 2023, we may have a different perspective on what is vulnerable or what the impact is than we would, you know, two years ago or two years into the future. I mean, these things change dramatically. Something that was thought to be safe is no longer safe. And that's just how it is. You have to roll with things and just not assume. I think a lot of people get very, very comfortable with the idea of I've been doing it this way for years and this is the method and this is the way we're going to do it. And I think in security, that kind of rigidity leads to failure. Yep. I, I get it. I mean, as humans, we want to simplify everything in our life, right? We want to like make things be the easier simplified way. Not to say that humans are lazy necessarily, but more that what we try to do is optimize and make life efficient. And so I could totally get how someone who's been doing something a certain way for 10, 20, 30 years and it works for them. I would I totally get why someone would be like, this is just the way we're going to do it. And when it comes to thinking about threats, we can't do that because the threats do evolve, like you're saying. Now, the way we might think about neutralizing the threats or minimizing or mitigating threats, maybe that methodology can, maybe that doesn't adapt, I don't know. I mean, you think about the way we secure systems today and it's, the principles are pretty much the same as they were 20 years ago. Like they haven't really changed, but the application of those principles has changed significantly because the tech that exists today didn't exist 20 years ago. Yeah. But yeah, that's my take on what you said. I'll use the basketball metaphor which I like to use, which is like when you think about Michael Jordan or LeBron or some of these great players who played for over decades or whatever, they come into the league and they're like, wow, we've never seen somebody do this before. We've never seen somebody fly to the hoop or dominate the two guard or whatever, or be this amazing wing player. But, you know, these guys get older, their bodies change. What was working for them in the past doesn't work anymore. The league changes, the rules change, the way they get guarded changes. And the ones that are truly great, 
adapt and they change. And that's how you can be, you know, nearly 40 years old and still be a all-star basketball player or something like that. They realize that it's not enough to just sit on something. And the same thing can be applied to some of the security stuff. Yeah, I love that metaphor. I mean, when you think about to be a professional athlete, like the difference of 1% in performance is the difference between you and someone not even in the league. And when the unstoppable march of time is facing an aging player and they can, someone like LeBron or Michael Jordan can still dominate at an elite level. It's like, it's mind blowing when you think about that. And I hadn't really thought about that from the viewpoint of what you're describing about, which is adapting and like changing their training regimen, train the way they approach the game, all that stuff. And I know that um, Lauren, who produces this show, rolls her eyes every time we talk about sports, especially when I make it be about Boston sports. So I appreciate that you did not do that for Lauren's sake, but I a little bit wish that you had just so she had to listen to it. I could have talked about how Brian Scalabrini, he played for the Celtics, right? Scal, yeah. Just the thing you reminded me, the 1% thing that he said to some guy who said that he could beat Scal, he was like, I'm closer to LeBron than you are to me. <laughs> Just to show like how much better these guys are, but that's a whole other thing. I just had to stick the Boston thing in there because you said Lauren was mentioning it. So she's gonna love this. Yeah. This yeah, is dedicated to Perfect. her. Yeah. That's also though, like that's a really fascinating. I never heard that quote before. And I love that. The idea that we're talking about athletes, but the principles I think apply exactly the same to excellence in anything. That's one of the things that disappoints me a little bit when I think about the way people approach security is that they often, they might think about other aspects of their life in terms of excellence. They might work really hard at their professional career. They might be a wonderful parent or sibling or son or daughter. Uh, they might be have an amazing marriage because they really put all this effort into having a wonderful marriage. And then with security, they're like, give me the checklist. You know, give me, just give me the stuff I got to do. And it's like all these other arenas in your life, was it checklists that led you to excellence? And I've never really understood why that doesn't exactly translate, but that scal quote, I think is, is a great example of it. Like, are you actually pushing to be in that echelon that you're, you're so elite that you're in the conversation with people who are excellent or are you in the conversation with people who aren't really competing at that level? For sure. You know, always be humble, I guess, because somebody out there who can do it better than you can, always. Someone, you know, you can't, even if you're an amazing podcast host, some guy comes around and says, I'm going to be the host this episode. And then you have to reconcile that. <laughs> I, I wish that one of us was the guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Oh, well, I guess we can wrap it up here. Uh, thanks again to Ryan for joining us. Thanks, Ted, for the conversation. And Ted, where can people learn more about the podcast if they want to learn more? TedHarrington.com backslash podcast. Awesome. See ya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.